You're listening to episode number 242, and today we're talking all about the mind. But we're not just talking about the mind. We're talking about how to actually create the change that you've been looking for and why it happens inside your conscious mind. This is a good one. I promise you that. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to Made for Living Well, the place where I truly believe you are just that. You were made for living well. In fact, we talk about that specific thing inside today's podcast, where I have guest expert Leonard Polmutter. And before I get into who he is and what he's done, I really just want to like break down this conversation really quickly because he has a really soothing voice and it goes really, really deep. So I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I don't want you to fear this because it really is a simple concept. It just takes thinking in a different way. Like it takes getting outside of all these ideas that health is external and it just comes back to seeing yourself and how your entire system is working together. So stay with it through the entire show, even if it feels like, okay, I don't even know what she's talking about anymore or what he's talking about. I maybe ask some questions that, We're intentionally going to be in the show, but I couldn't help but ask because my curiosity was getting the best of me. But I promise it has a ton of value. And going back to this idea that you were made for a living well, here's what I want to be clear. Like health is inside of you and your body wants nothing more than to be healthy. And so often we're just working outside of that design and we're fighting against our body, doing things that is not supportive of our body, causing it to go into survival mode. And today we talk about that threat and why it's so hard for our ego and our subconscious and our senses to get on board with this healthy lifestyle because of the trauma that it's been holding and housing. But the thing is, is none of those things have power of choice. Only your conscience does. And so we have to start working in our conscious mind, which is going to see the whole picture and create the action that we're really looking for. So today's podcast is really, really powerful. Now you're going to notice the thing that's so different is that I talk really fast and he talks in a very slow, soothing manner. I'm not kidding you with this podcast and his voice is so incredibly soothing. So I have all the good feelings for this podcast and I hope you love it as much as I do. And now I'm also breaking down this show and some of the key concepts about how do you actually implement this in your life over at thelivingwell.com. And we're talking all about using the power of your conscience to overcome your subconscious thoughts and your ego. So those things that are often working against you. So you're going to want to make sure and check out that at thelivingwell.com. But for now, I want to get right to the show and welcome Leonard Perlmutter He is the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute and is the originator of the National Conscience Month. He actually studied a lot of his work in India and has done amazing experiments to demonstrate that blood pressure, heart rate, and the autonomic nervous system can actually be voluntary controlled. He has worked with a number of universities and medical institutes, and he has a ton of certifications and awards that I can't even begin to mention here. But he recently launched a book called Your Conscience, which is the key to unlock limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of your life's challenges. And it's a phenomenal book. So you should definitely check it out if this podcast interests you and this topic. 
You can find that wherever books are sold, but I'll make sure and link it up in the show notes. Now today, I wanna get right to the show and welcome Leonard. Welcome to the show, Leonard. I'm really excited to have you on the show and I just started learning about your material, but this is honestly a subject that has been fascinating to me and one that I really wanted to bring my listeners. So thank you so much for being here. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about the mind and the mind is really gaining in popularity and understanding our thoughts. And honestly, it's truly an area that determines the outcome that we see. And it changes our biology, which is really what I try to do here at The Living Wells, try to marry this idea that, you know, our thoughts and our mind are really dictating the outcome of our biology. And today I just want to dig into that more. And I want to dig into the idea of the conscience and what that can do for us as we move forward into a new year. So I just wanted to start and ask you, why is the mind so powerful in your opinion? And what, what is it doing inside of who we are? Well, that's a great question. The mind is our most powerful instrument. And that's because we cannot do anything in the world. We cannot take an action. We cannot speak a word without first entertaining a thought. So our thoughts are our richest resource because thoughts lead to our actions. And of course, our actions lead to consequences that take us in one direction or another. Now, we all pretty much know the kind of direction we're looking for. We want to be happy. We want to be secure. We want the body to be healthy. That begs the question, how do I get to point B from point A? And of course, the answer is I need a business plan. Uh, But nobody has taught us a business plan or a philosophy of life to optimize our mind so that the actions that we take will bring us the happiness and the security and the health that we deeply desire. So it it is a problem. And yet the mind itself is not monolithic. And I think that each of us, since our earliest memories, have thought intuitively that it seems that there were different voices in our mind mm, mm-hmm. that uh, were supporting different perspectives. And as it turns out, that's exactly correct. There are actually four different functions of the mind, but only one of them, we'll find out, can make a decision. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about those four different parts of our mind because they're really important. And like you said, they all kind of serve a specific job. So can you dive into what are those four different parts of our mind and what purpose are they serving? Sure. Well, they all serve good purposes and they're all needed. They're all part of our complex holistic organism that we call our mind, body, sense complex. So we'll start with the ego. Now, the ego is not necessarily what we have thought it was. It's not about being puffed up with self-importance and vanity. The ego, I believe, pretty much is hardwired to the reptilian brain. Now, what do we know about the reptilian brain? Well, the reptilian brain 
is all about self-preservation. You know, uh, I don't want the form to die. Mm. I don't. I don't want to be no more. And the ego shares that. So the ego is sort of in service to the reptilian brain. And because of that, they both, both the ego and the reptilian brain, are intensely fearful of annihilation. Mm. Because of that, the ego always insinuates itself as an, as an advisor because it cannot make a decision. It can only advise. But it always is present in the decision-making process. It's often wrong, but it's never in doubt. Mm-hmm. And so the ego seems to me always divides everything up into pairs of opposites. What does that mean? Well, in a certain circumstance, the ego might say, oh, this is pleasant. I like it. I think this is good. Let's reprise it. But over here, you see, this is unpleasant. I dislike it. I consider this bad. I want this eliminated. And so here's the problem for us. The ego is so loud and so pushy and so insistent, even though it's only an advisor. It constantly asks the mind to follow its advice, to like what it likes and to go after it and to avoid what we dislike. Mm. And the problem with that is we already know that that which appears as pleasant isn't always good for us. And that which is unpleasant isn't always bad for us. So what has happened is the mind has become so addicted to the limited perspective of the ego that we experience a lot of pain because many of the recommendations of the ego are faulty and the consequence is not happiness and health. It's really unhappiness and dis-ease or disease, and it's not security, it's insecurity. Hmm. And on the other hand, the ego is very important and has a valid perspective. So right now, Alexa, you and I both need a strong, healthy ego to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. When we drive an automobile or a truck, We need a healthy ego to get us from point A to point B. But the ego is not always correct. So it's up to us to teach the ego, not to get rid of it, which is impossible and unwise, because we do need certain aspects of it, but to train and parent the ego, to trust a higher wisdom than its limited perspective. That's the ego. So is the ego considered like the logical mind? Well, that would be the senses. The senses and logic are the second function. Okay. And the senses go out into the material world. 
Actually, the energy of the mind is extruded through the eyes and the nostrils and the mouth and the ears and the hands and the feet. What for? So that we can look and smell and taste and listen and touch. Certain objects and certain relationships that bring us pleasure and eliminate pain. Mm -hmm. And so, similar to the ego, the senses only have a limited perspective. Sometimes they are correct. You know, that wonderful meal that they loved. We all love to have a wonderful meal. We just had Thanksgiving. We're we're looking forward to uh, Christmas and the holidays and and Hanukkah and and life is to be enjoyed we have a body we have senses and yet the senses uh they're a little nearsighted because they can only see the pleasant and they don't see the pain of all of these objects so they're not very good reporters not at all and the the trouble for us is for you and for me is that the senses, when they're heated, and the mind has been become addicted to sense gratification today, what happens is the senses waste a tremendous amount of our creative energy that we could be using to fulfill the purpose of our lives mm. instead of running after an endless number of rainbows in hopes that there'll be a pot of gold. Mm. That's the senses. And of course, all those habits formed by the ego's limited perspective and the senses are all stored on the hard drive. We call it the unconscious portion of the mind. It's the reservoir of everything that you and I deem essential to self-preservation, all of our memories pleasant, unpleasant, all of our imaginations. You know, what if this should happen? What if that should happen? What if neither happens? So we have the ego. We have the senses. We have the unconscious mind. They have no power to make a decision, but they are advisors. I call them the three amigos because they often cause such a stir such noise in the mind that the fourth function of the mind, the conscience, cannot act to its full capacity. What do I mean by that? Well, the conscience is one of the four major functions of the mind, but it's a standout because only the conscience can make a choice of what's to be done and what's not to be done. And when I learned that, Alexa, it was a game changer for me because what it said and what it meant to Mm -hmm. me was every single choice I have ever made in my entire life and every single choice I will make in my entire life has been and always will be made by the conscience. Now, We've never learned that. We always assume that the conscience is something that uh, advises us about morality. But no, the conscience is the only decision maker. 
of what's to be done and what's not to be done. And that includes everything. What time we're going to go to sleep, what time we're going to wake up, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going, what book we're going to read, whatever it happens to be. It's the conscience that makes that choice. Now, the conscience can operate in two different ways to make that choice. And one of them depends an awful lot on us. Yeah, this is fascinating because, I mean, you often hear of so much of life is lived out of the subconscious, right? Like very little, you know, there's statistics that say, you know, like 15 or 20% of our our life is only lived out of the conscience, but yet you're kind of saying every decision is made in the conscience, which makes it seem like most of our life then is lived there. Like, what is your take on that? That, that philosophy or that thought. The conscience is the only function of the mind that makes a decision. But mm-hmm. if there is too much noise in the mind, in other words, if we have not trained and parented the ego and the senses and the unconscious mind to quiet down after they advise us, then that intense noise in the mind, and we're all familiar with that intense noise, if there's too much noise and inner conflict in the mind, then the conscience Mm -hmm. will still determine what the choice is, but it can only rubber stamp the loudest voice. That means that it will rubber stamp the ego, the senses, and the unconscious Mm -hmm. mind concerning what's to be done Mm -hmm. and what's not to be done. However, if we can take some of our energy and really parent and love the ego senses and unconscious mind and train them after they give their perspective to quiet down, then in that still, Mm. quiet mind, the conscience has the capacity of a mirror to reflect super-conscious wisdom from the super-conscious portion of the mind, the same portion of the mind where Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies and Albert Einstein sees mathematical equations doesn't mean that we're going to become songwriters or physicists. What it does mean is the more that we can parent and quiet the ego senses and unconscious mind after they have shared their limited perspective with us, and that stillness in the mind will then allow the conscience to reflect perfect wisdom from the center of consciousness, from the superconscious portion of the mind. Mm. And that will be a recommendation to us consciously concerning the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take that will always, always, always lead us for our highest and greatest good. So right now, when people don't take advantage of their conscious mind, we're letting these other 
three parts of the mind take control. Correct. And speak a loud voice. So in a way, we're being controlled by something that doesn't have the ability to control us. That's correct. That's correct. And that gets dangerous because these other parts of the mind yes. are only limited. Very limited. And, That's correct. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're yeah. always wrong. Sometimes they're correct. Sometimes they have a legitimate perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Even the senses, you see, we have a body, we have senses, life is to be enjoyed. There's plenty that's stored on the unconscious mind, in the unconscious mind, that is a help. It can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't want to repeat uh, mm-hmm. uh, poor uh, choices that we have made in the past. So that's on the, in the unconscious mind. And the ego is not always wrong, but mm-hmm. neither are they always right. So right. if we don't parent them so that we can use the conscience to reflect superconscious wisdom, we will really never know for sure whether the ego, the senses, or the unconscious mind is giving us the best advice that mm-hmm. we need. And mm-hmm. so life turns out to be two things. Number one, it's a huge gamble. And number two, it begs the question, whose life am I living? Mm. I'm, I seem to be uh, uh, enslaved to this autopilot and my software package of my mind is run by these habits, by these programs that I, I learned from my mother, from my father, from my grandma, from my grandpa, uh, from celebrities, from politicians, from the culture. So I'm really not living my life, Mm -hmm. and I cannot Mm -hmm. then create the work of art that I have within me. So, I mean, really, when we we don't choose to overcome or choose to act out of our conscious mind, really, we're just allowing past circumstances, traumas, pains to other stories people have placed on us to dictate where we go leaving room for all kinds of frustration and maybe why so many people are stuck not being able to change themselves. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Because we're we're enslaved to this old software Mm -hmm. that perhaps it works Mm -hmm. uh, 10 or 15 or 20% of the time, but uh, there's a lot of pain Mm -hmm. when we, when we don't use our conscience. Right. So what is it so powerful about the conscience that um, has the ability to change what's going on and where you're going? I know it's the one determining the action that we're doing, but is that alone or why is it the conscious so smart maybe is what I want to say? Well, it's smart like a television. You see, a television does not have all that we can see and learn from it inside that little box. It's receiving a signal, Mm. right? It receives a signal, Mm -hmm. a far off signal. And that's the beauty of the conscience. It is the only function of the mind that can pick up that signal Mm. of that super conscious wisdom from the super conscious portion of the mind. Mm -hmm. This intuitive library of wisdom that is at the core of our very being. Mm. 
Yeah. So how, how does one start to transition this? You know, like, because I think, I don't know if there's a percentage or, but what you see, but it feels like a lot of us are just living out of everything, but our conscious mind. How, how do we start to transition that? Well, what I have chosen because I'm, I'm a bit of a doubting Thomas. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also have a very scientific, logical and philosophical mind. So I have uh, adopted the scientific method Mm. of experimentation. So I begin to experiment. I have been experimenting for many, many years since the the early 1970s. And because of that, I no longer eat food that – only the ego senses and unconscious mind love. I now eat food that loves me, mm. that loves my brain, that loves my teeth, that loves my gums, that loves my heart, that loves my joints, that loves my liver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I have come to love that yeah. kind of food. Right. So how do you get there though? You start small. Mm. Uh and you experiment, and it's fun. I, fi- I find that experimenting with food choice is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it's fun because you benefit, you feel better physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have all these symptoms that you, that you uh, see advertised, like acid reflux and heartburn and all these uh, things that, that are advertised on television. You just don't have those because you're eating food that has the good housekeeping seal of approval of the superconscious portion of the mind. Mm-hmm. So you experiment. And also you don't take on too much too soon. If you feel that you cannot give up a whole cookie, try giving up a half a cookie mm-hmm. just for the sake of an experiment. Mm-hmm. And see how it feels. Mm-hmm. What do you consciously think when you do that? So, I mean, obviously your ego and your senses are all telling you to do one thing. And that's why a lot of us, right, choose the food choices that we are choosing is because our ego is um, making us, tell us, telling us that we deserve it. And our senses are reminding us of how good it might taste. Like what in your conscious mind do you do? Is it, is it like the transition to say like, but this food makes me feel better. Like, are you consciously saying something to diminish those other voices in the head? Well, there's two things. Mm-hmm. I think that you are on, on the right track there about when we parent the ego senses and unconscious mind, we don't want to take uh, on anything too much. So we know in the experimentation process, I'm not going to ask too much of the ego, too much of the senses and too much of the unconscious mind because if the truth be known, all three of them, uh, they uh, are dealing with some form of PTSD. Mm-hmm. They've been traumatized. Mm-hmm. And it's up to me to gain their trust. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we just finished dinner, the question comes up before all of us, are we going to brush our teeth? Mm-hmm. Now, probably the ego would say No. I don't want to brush the teeth. That doesn't sound too pleasant. The senses 
probably would say something like, I don't want to brush the teeth either. Instead, I would rather have a second portion of dessert. Mm -hmm. And the unconscious mind, the repository of all of our habits, then would probably vote with the ego and the senses because that's its habit. Mm -hmm. But if I can encourage as a, as a loving parent just to take a time out for two minutes, let's all go into the bathroom, brush the teeth, and we'll come back and we'll discuss how it felt. Mm -hmm. And if I can encourage it, if I can encourage the ego senses and unconscious mind to do that kind of experiment, chances are very good that the ego senses and unconscious mind will have a fairly pleasant experience, mm -hmm. certainly a lot better than the experience that they feared. Mm -hmm. They not only then trust me more, they also trust the conscience more. Mm -hmm. And they know from personal experience, the conscience is not out to take over. Mm. And the experimentation process does not mean necessarily a lifetime commitment. Mm -hmm. It's just something that we'll experiment with and see how we feel. Well, if we keep on feeling pretty good, that's a pleasant memory. Mm. So, the ego senses and unconscious mind slowly, slowly will expand their perspective. Mm. So it's really loving on these other things to get themselves, get them to, to see that you're working with them, which. It's all about love. Mm -hmm. It's all about love. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's, I think it's something that a lot of people are chasing, right? Especially as we go into the new year with resolutions and, and everyone's kind of seeking this, this form of themselves that they feel like would make them love themselves more. But really the mm -hmm. only way to love yourself more is not by some external situation, but it's really internally recognizing that your subconscious and ego aren't out to get you. No, no. In some cases, they're just misguided. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're just, and yeah. go ahead. And in the case of the unconscious mind, they're just playing the software program, mm -hmm. nothing personal. It's just the program that's uh, mm -hmm. uh, been placed on the hard drive mm -hmm. of the unconscious mind. And just because uh, it's faulty, it, it brings me pain. Mm -hmm. So do you think you can actually just think yourself to a better place? Or do you feel like there has to be an action that solidifies that thought? Oh, we always have to take an action. Mm -hmm. All life is relationship. We constantly, continuously have relationship. We, you and I, and every other human being, we have relationships all day long. I have a relationship with my body. I have a relationship with my thoughts. I have a relationship with people, with animals, with minerals, mm -hmm. with the entire universe. Mm -hmm. And a relationship means what? It means I must take an action. Mm. Yeah. And whatever action it is, it's going to bring about a consequence. Mm -hmm. Newton learned about that and he called it the third law of motion. For every action, there's an equal reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really powerful because I think, I think a lot of the mindset stuff stops at just think yourself better. 
Um, mm-hmm. But thinking yourself better can be frustrating in itself because there's just thinking, I mean, thinking yourself better without understanding the ego and, and the senses, it can feel like this internal war, like you said, that just adds to the noise that doesn't actually create the change in itself. So, That's correct. so the idea yeah. in some way is to create some kind of an awareness of what's happening inside your mind. So you know what to do with it. That's part of it. Okay. Yeah. But the, but the really powerful mm-hmm. tool is to begin to know who we are. You Going see, most people, yeah. Yeah. most people identify with the appearance of the body and the appearance of the mind. So I think I am the body. Mm-hmm. I think I am the mind. I think I am my thoughts. I think I am my desires. I think I am my emotions. You see, when when I'm driving the automobile and some irresponsible person driving at 90 miles an hour in a 55 or 60 mile an hour uh, zone cuts me off in traffic and I have to slam on the brake to avoid a bad accident, Mm -hmm. what happens? Bubbles of anger come forward from the unconscious mind. And what do I say? Mm -hmm. I am angry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And well, of course, that's an oxymoron. It's impossible for me to be an emotion. Mm -hmm. But we're, we're so identified with that emotion. We say, oh, I am angry. I am fearful you see. But who is it Mm -hmm. that you are if you are not the body? Who are you if you are not the mind? Who then are you if you're not your thoughts, your desires, your emotions? And where have you come from? And why are you here? And what's to be done? And where will you go when there is no body? Mm Mm-hmm. Right, right. So how do so you- we begin to we begin to look within and seek within mm-hmm. and find the truth of our essential nature within. Mm-hmm. Now Christians called it the Christ. Mm-hmm. Muslims call it Allah. Hindus call it Brahman. Mm-hmm. We call it God. But words are just pointers a way that one human being communicates to another human being. Hey, I've experienced something. Have you experienced it? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you call it? Oh, I call it God. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So this is like the deeply spiritual part of us that, that we can't dismiss. Well, the culture tries like heck to, to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, to box it up and segment it. And I think we do this with so many areas of our life is just box things up, but it's all working as one system. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's all there is, is just one system. Mm-hmm. Everything is a manifestation of the one. Mm-hmm. That's why mathematics, for example, is the language of spirit, because there is only one. Mm-hmm. There's there's only one number, just number one. There is no two, there is no three, there is no four, there is no five, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Every number that we can imagine 
is really a manifestation of one. Mm -hmm. The number three is really one Mm -hmm. that is appearing three times. Yeah. So where does our beliefs fit into the mind? Well, does it go along with the spiritual essence of this or? Well, it depends on how you define what a belief is. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because what's really powerful is our faith born of personal experience. Only when we experience something do we really, really, really trust it and know that it's true. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, even though we might be acting in certain ways, we are acting because somebody told us something or we read something, we memorized something, and now we believe it. But it's not a very deep belief. And we can be threatened very easily because we we don't know who we are. We think that we are our beliefs. Mm. That's not true. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to process all of this. This is so, so good and so deep at the same time. As we like bring this like all together, like as one whole picture, how do we adequately start expressing this so people can start living in this way? And, and what does it change for people? Well, change is a very important concept. Mm-hmm. You see, the ego defines change as some form of death because it's frightening. Mm. So it wants to control the change, always wants to control the change. But my experience, right? Like even healthy, positive change can be a threat to your ego. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So change really means growth, not death. Mm -hmm. And that's up to me to be able to teach that to my ego and senses and unconscious mind. Then, then we'll begin to experiment in earnest, even though we'll still maintain that we're doubting Thomases, we're just good scientists. Mm-hmm. And we're turning our entire mind, body, sense complex into our personal laboratory. Mm. As we go into like a new year, and I don't want to lighten this subject at all because it's incredibly fascinating. So many people are going to be setting resolutions and setting, you know, goals and trying to change themselves. And so few people will actually achieve that. What is your, what is your thoughts behind that? And what is your encouragement to people and your ideas behind how do we, how do we work with our body to remind it that change is a part of growth, that it isn't scary, it isn't a threat, but we're here to grow. How do we actually live this out in our day-to-day life? Well, Disney, decades ago, produced an animated movie called Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Jiminy Cricket, one of the characters, always advised Pinocchio, what? Let your conscience be your guide. Mm. So for New Year's resolutions, why not resolve to experiment with your own conscience and love the ego, 
love the senses, love the unconscious mind in the decision-making process Mm. and encourage the ego senses and unconscious mind to share their limited experience, but then sit quietly around the kitchen table while the conscience reflects superconscious wisdom, and then further encourage the ego senses and unconscious mind to support that perspective for the sake of an experiment. Mm. And then just see what develops. Mm-hmm. See how you feel physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. I'm betting that, like me, you'll feel better. Right, because you're not living out of uh, out of that fear anymore, or out of that you know that need for survival. But you're really letting yourself walk into more of a state of thriving, like by making those choices and growing and experimenting and um, opening up to the idea that you can feel differently. And your entire life then becomes one of service Mm. to the truth that is within you, that is you having this human experience. Mm -hmm. That gives you great purpose, great purpose. So, as we talk about like the benefits that come from the conscious mind, it really does open us up to all of the things the other parts of our mind are suppressing in a way. Like it's always there, right? It's not something that we have to um, try to chase down or try to reach a destination. Like these things that we want are inside of us. We've just been led to suppress them. And to led to suppress, yes, number one, but also we've been trained to look outside of ourselves for our happiness, Mm. for our expertise. Mm -hmm. All the solutions are outside, the culture tells us, on the chessboard. Just change the positions of the players on the chessboard and you'll be happy. Buy this automobile, you'll be happy. Eat this food, you'll look lovely, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, The kingdom of heaven is within. What we're really looking for is within us. And as soon as we find it and we serve that truth in thought, word, and deed, Mm -hmm. our lives turn into poetry and song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really is seeing yourself with a purpose, with those eyes of love that you were created for a reason. Um, yeah. And, and when we can start seeing that, we can stop trying to become that and start living that. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so similar to what I teach about health is like health is not some external destination that we have to try to achieve. It's, it's a way of life. It's, it's already there. Um, it's just the body wants to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the mind, it's the ego senses and unconscious mind arguing Mm -hmm. and lobbying for, Mm -hmm. Uh, lifestyle choices mm-hmm. that uh, are counter to the health and vitality of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is really powerful information, and 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 I fear as we come to the end of this is that 
it sounds in one way too good to be true. And in another way, it feels like it, I think that we have, what do I want to say? We've glorified the act of external, of doing external things, and we've diminished the internal work that really is the driving force in our life. And I don't want anyone to diminish the power of this, but it's it's not difficult. Am I wrong in that? No, you're absolutely correct. If we If we continue to look outside of ourselves for the answers, we're going to continue to be driving an automobile that only turns in one direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that means trouble. Mm-hmm. So life has to be a balance, a balance. In, in medicine, it's called homeostasis, balance. There needs to be a balance. We have no balance in our life. Mm-hmm. So yes, go out into the world, engage the world but only engage the world with the wisdom that that resides at your core. So counsel within Mm. before you act outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the power of um, being silent, having stillness in your life and um, just being with yourself, stuff that we, we so easily fear and run from. Um, but we, many people don't even know the inner workings of themselves. We're so distracted and almost living disassociated with ourselves that we can't understand what's happening inside of ourselves. Yes. Well, we've become hypnotized. Mm -hmm. That's all. We're just hypnotized, but the entire meditation process dehypnotizes us Mm -hmm. to see what is real, Mm -hmm. not that which is an illusion. Mm-hmm. So on this journey of, I know you do a lot of work with meditation and, and bringing people back home to themselves in a way, how do you start out in this process? Like what are, what are some tips or takeaways that someone could start working on today that would help them to, you know, let go of the illusion and see the truth? Remember that you have to start small, Mm -hmm. seemingly insignificant no-brainers. It's 10 o'clock at night. Perhaps you're watching television. Perhaps there's a coffee commercial on. Perhaps the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind are already lobbying in favor of going into the kitchen to get a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. and maybe a, a, a jelly donut or a bowl of ice cream. Mm-hmm. So at 10 o'clock at night, maybe that's not a good idea. Right. Let's ask the conscience mm-hmm. and, and, and do an experiment. Mm-hmm. Experiments like that come up all day long. So look for experiments and they will reveal themselves. But remember, through the whole process, you have to love yourself. You should not take on too much too soon. If you wanted to build muscles in your body and you never exercised, the last thing you would ever do is go to the gym and try to pick up 200 pounds. Without any experience, you'd hurt yourself. So just pick up a pound or two. And then within a week, add another pound. After another couple of weeks, add a couple of more pounds. And within a month or two, You'll be lifting substantial weight and you won't be hurting yourself. Mm. 
Yeah. That's powerful. Like you said, it, or like we mentioned, it's, it, this isn't difficult, painful things. This is really an, an awakening of some sort and an opening um, to experience the benefit of living out of your conscience and not letting the subconscious dictate what it actually has no power to dictate. That's right. That's so, right. So as we kind of wrap up this podcast, which I feel like I have a million more questions that I want to ask you now, but um, for the sake of time, you have written a book called Your Conscience and you do a lot of powerful work. What is your heart behind this work? Like, what, what are you hoping people experience from your work? Well, first, let me say, Alexa, that I would really advise that anybody who's listening to this podcast not believe a word I have said. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Don't believe me. Don't become dependent on me. But if you are interested, Keep your doubting Thomas hat on and experiment for yourself. Go within, seek within, find that super conscious wisdom within and turn it into your thoughts, words, and deeds. Then you will own the truth and you will know who you are and you will know that you know. Mm -hmm. So my job here today is the same kind of a job that Johnny Appleseed had. My job is to plant seeds. That is my joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you're doing a powerful work at that. Um, and I think this is, like you said, there's no, this is so needed in our world right now. Um, as we're all kind of scrambling and it feels chaotic and out of control. And that's just this, this idea that we've suppressed this conscience so long um, and we just need to redevelop our relationship with it. Um, I really thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. And I encourage everyone, if you're interested, like you said, to, to learn more, to dig into this because it can be completely transformative. And it's work that I have started to do um, in myself over the last few years as I lived so much um, out of what other people told me and other stories and really taking taking that back to see myself um, as lovable and to treat myself with love. And as we go into a new year and, um, you know, as we kind of end this podcast, just a quick, a few quick questions. What, what is like one thing that you want to leave people with one, one thing that you hope people take and do from this? Just that everything that people are looking for is already inside of themselves. Mm -hmm. Bring yesterday and tomorrow into today mm -hmm. and bring today into now. Right now, at this auspicious moment, what's to be done? Mm -hmm. And what's not to be done? What's to be said? And what's not to be said? Mm -hmm. What's to be thought? And what's not to be thought? And if I can remain in that space, silence of now there's an infinite number of possibilities that are ready to come forward through us to turn our life into poetry and song mm -hmm. yeah well Leonard thank you so much for being here can you please tell us where we can learn more about you and the work that you do 
Well, the book is Your Conscience, and it has its own a little website, yourconscience.org, yourconscience.org. And in 1996, I founded the American Meditation Institute. That's where I teach. I have a foundation course that presents all of this knowledge and wisdom for people who are interested. And that website is American meditation.org American meditation.org I will make sure and link all of that up in the show notes um, so you can find Leonard and all of the amazing work that he's doing but again thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom I hope to have you back on one day as I kind of recount more questions that I have but really this is so clear and such a life-changing and simple thing that we could completely change the outcome of, of, of next year, the outcome of every day that we live. Um, so thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. It's my pleasure. My mind is swirling and I even sometimes feel like these talks, I don't know about you, can feel even a little bit threatening to your ego and to your subconscious. Like I want to find peace in that, but my subconscious and my ego say like they know what's best, even though they don't hold the power. But I hope after learning this and starting to really change your viewpoint about how your mind is working for you and in some ways against you, you can start to create and foster the change that's going to last. So if you want to learn more about this, about how to actually do the work, head on over to thelivingwell.com where I break down more about using your conscious mind to grow in extraordinary ways. It's also the foundation for that health reset that's coming up. So make sure you head on over to thelivingwell.com Sign up for the weekly fill where you're going to learn more about that and so many other things going on in my life. Just like a real life friend to friend conversation that I like to have every week because we're friends, right? Like I love you. This is why I do the work. I believe in you and I believe that we were made for health. No more chasing, no more crazy goals or unrealistic expectations. But this year, I truly want to live that out. And I want to help you do that by writing a new story about health and a new story about you. So stay with me as we begin a new year. But before then, we still have some amazing podcast guests that are going to be on the show. So stick around. And next year to kick off the year, I'm launching a podcast series on the eight life-transforming health principles that will change your life. So stick around for that. But in the meantime, head on over to livingwell.com and also share this podcast with your friends and family. Definitely one that is going to ignite conversation and possibly transform the way we interact with everyone else around us. Okay, that's it for today. I will see you back here with another podcast. 